Hi there. Welcome to the New Life Live podcast. Steve here. Since 1988, New Life has been transforming lives one life at a time. Now our goal is to provide you with wisdom from God's Word to give you hope and help in life's most difficult places. One way that we do this is through the live program that we share with our listeners here on the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to ask our panel of counselors and psychologists, call us at 1-800-229-3000, Monday through Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Now let's go to today's podcast episode. Welcome to New Life Live. It's actually Chris Williams sitting in for Steve today, and I have two amazing people with me sharing the space, the knowledge, the wisdom to share with you. Give us a call, 1-800-229-3000, because... I have Dr. Jill Hubbard here, and she has, as always, a ton to share and a ton to give away. Hello, Chris. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I also have Mark Cameron, who is just a vessel of deep wisdom and insight (laughs) and helpfulness. To live up to. Yeah. Yes, I know. (laughs) So good to be with you guys. Good to be with you, Chris. Yeah. You know, I'm teeing you guys up. Uh, Right. Exactly. You're going to be doing the heavy lifting today. So, but it's really good to be here. But I want to jump into something. There is this biblical concept and and this human concept of self-control. It's actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. We see in, for instance, in Mm -hmm. 2 Peter, on this list that we're adding to our character and character development, right smack dab in the middle of it is self-control. Which can be so difficult. Tremendously (laughs) difficult. What I see more often than not is that we're not tying self-control to our emotional life. Mm. Most of what I see spins out of control inside of us is some sort of emotional reactivity that we're having to something mm-hmm. that really we're not grabbing a hold of and, and paying attention to it. So I, I want to ask a really broad question. What causes us to spin out of contr- emotionally out of control? Well, I think we get triggered, right? Uh-huh. Triggered is kind of a popular word right now and we go into fight or flight yes right so when we get in that hyper aroused state it's hard for us we're in our primitive brain yes so the idea of self-control is kind of out the window it's just pure reactivity yes at that point well and jill i think you bring up something really important because the ability to regulate comes for our self-control, mm-hmm. control our emotions, comes from our prefrontal cortex, right. which is the higher part of our brain, mm-hmm. rather than where fear and anger activate in our lower part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and so when we're reacting, like you're saying, Jill, right, it's really, we kind of go on autopilot, right? Yes. And so mm-hmm. for self-control, it, it's really a practice. And so you have to actually think about self-control um, and plan for it before it happens. Yes. And so, and, and in order to do that, we need to develop something called the observing self, right? The part mm-hmm. of us that reflects upon our emotions and reflects upon our reactivity and asks ourselves that question, you know, why does that happen? Yeah. You know, what's going on for me? What is triggering me? And by doing that, then you can plan for the next time it comes up, right, to mm-hmm. then intervene and do something different. That's good. I love that, that, that self observing Mm -hmm. part of us you know we see that in psalms you know why so downcast oh my soul you know that that there's a lot of yeah there's a conversation that's happening with the self that's really trying to gain insight into what's going on yeah that's really good 
I bring this up because on December 2nd, we're going to have the Emotional Freedom Workshop. Mm. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, we can encounter things in our life that we think that we are in control of, but doggone it if they don't spin us out of control every single time. And so this is an opportunity for us to unpack, to look at the inside and to see what's really going on so that we can get the healing and growth that we need so that we can live in a more self-controlled manner. So we can be self-reflective, as Mark is saying, right? Yes, self-reflective, and we can do something about it, Mm -hmm. you know, that we can experience an emotion and be able to handle it well. Um, I call it the AID, the A-I-D. I need awareness, identification, and disclosure. And in that process, we begin to regulate, get back in our better selves. But on December 2nd, online, Emotional Freedom Workshop. Sign up for day. Give us a call, 1-800-229-3000. We'd love to talk to you, and we'll be right back. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back to New Life Live. It's Chris Williams with Dr. Jill Hubbard and Mark Cameron here today. We will be in studio for two hours today taking your calls, 1-800-229-3000. Again, that's 1-800-229-3000. We would love to talk to you, love to help you out, love to share this time with you. And so with that, we're going to go to Brenda from Mission Viejo. Brenda, are you there? In just a second. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Oh, there she is. Brenda, are you there? I am. Hi, Brenda. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for taking my call. No problem. Love love having you on. How can we help you today? Well, I want to know um, the best approach um, with my daughter. I have two adult daughters, both married um, with kids, but the one daughter who I think is a believer isn't going to church, and um, so she has one child, and um, I'm just concerned about him knowing Jesus. Um, last Christmas, he heard my other grandson talking about Jesus, and so he asked, who's Jesus? And I was so upset by that, that he's he's now um, going on six, and he doesn't know who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And so... I just want to know the best way to encourage my daughter either to take him to church or just, you know, introduce him to Jesus. Let me go with the so upset part for a second. So this happens, you know, that, you know, he's, you see that, oh, he really doesn't know who Jesus is. What happens inside of you when you encounter that experience with your grandson? Um, I just felt like... I need to be doing something. There's something that I should be doing where he sees Jesus and, and knows absolutely who Jesus is. Okay, so what are you afraid of in this situation? I I don't want him to grow up not knowing the love of Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Jill, what do you think? How do we help Well, I, I think while it's important to go to church mm-hmm. and that's where you know we gather with other believers and we learn and we grow that's not the only way we learn about Jesus and mm-hmm. it sounds like you're unable to kind of push your daughter in that direction i mean she's clearly chosen 
to not expose her child. Yet here his cousins and other people are exposing Mm -hmm. him, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, Brenda, you as a grandma, do you get time with this boy, right? Can you? Um, Yeah. Do you? We we see him um, about four times a year, maybe four or five, Um, sometimes at my house, sometimes we travel to their house. Mm-hmm. So, so, are you able to send him gifts? Are you able to read him stories, right? Um, when you have people at a distance, I know when my niece comes to visit and she'll spend the night with me and she's young, we pray. And it's a great mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You know, we pray before we go to sleep and we talk to Jesus. And I do that with her. So there mm-hmm. are little things you can do to pique the interest, and then you be praying that God brings Christians into this boy's life, that he hear it from other sources if his parents aren't mm-hmm. going to show him. Yeah. Brenda, what stops you talking to um, your grandson about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's really stopping me. I mean, my daughter is a believer. We, um, she grew up going to church, but she had a bad experience when she was in junior high in church, and it kind of turned her off of, you know, formal church. And um, But she'll ask me to pray about things that come up, and, and I tell her she should be praying about such and such. So I know she is a believer, but I, I don't want to push her away. Um, she's very sensitive about um, her son and how he's brought up and the things he does and, the, and you know, all that. So I don't want to look like I'm pushing anything um, because I don't want to ruin the relationship I have with her and lose all influence. Mm, so, so you're fearful to talk with your grandson about Jesus in case um, your daughter doesn't want you to? Well, yeah, to some degree. I mean, I... And, I think Jill's idea of a book is good. I could I could get it like a Christmas book. Right. Christmas is when, the perfect and, time because yeah, people right. are more it. open to the Christmas story. Mm-hmm. At least start educating right. him on the Christmas story, on Bible stories. Yeah. 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 You right. know I think she would be she would be okay that with that, I think. Yeah, and you know what a good book is is uh the Jesus Storybook Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I I think uh, my wife owns stock in that because we bought so many of them (laughs) over the years to give away. But it's a fantastic um, Bible because it's it's obviously Mm -hmm. it's written for kids, but it goes through Mm -hmm. um, all of the stories from the Old Mm -hmm. Testament through the New Testament, and it links them all to Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a great you know he's asking about who Jesus is. And so, mm-hmm. and as Jill's saying, you know, it's the, the perfect time to talk about Jesus. It's Christmas. Yeah. It's the time to give gifts. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you, take a risk, you know, take a risk for the kingdom and, and, yeah. and get your grandson uh, a Bible. And, you would know, you, and see what, see what that opens that up. Again? It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Okay. I will, I will, that's well, a great idea. I well, will definitely do that. And I hear that you kind of walk gingerly with this daughter. And I know mm-hmm. as parents, it's hard. We have to kind of keep our mouths shut. But the fact that she's mm-hmm. asking you to pray for her, yeah. I think I would let her know that you do pray for her and you pray for her son mm-hmm. and her family. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, would it be too much to say, did you know your son was asking about who Jesus is? 
I just thought you should know she, that. She, she knew. Okay. She knew. In fact, I think she's the one that told me. Ah. And she kind of, you know, laughed. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I can't remember how I responded. I think I was just taken aback. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I would want to know, I, I, well, yeah. what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. She's the mom. Okay, right. what did she say? She knows who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Brenda, I'm actually going to take this in a little bit different direction, if I can, with you, is because your grandson is young. Yeah. He's got his whole life ahead of him. So there's something inside of you that took an incident and wrote the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Right? And it wasn't a right. good ending. No. Okay? That, yeah. that tells me that you're carrying a lot of fear, because that's what fear does. Fear takes an incident and writes an entire story, and it sort of overgeneralizes and what we call globalizes the issue. And yeah. the, and then here's actually, I think, the part of the damaging effects of that. Not just that we're painting a bad picture or writing a bad story for somebody else, but it also drives very controlling behavior. And typically, when we're controlling people, especially adults, I mean, children will put up with it until they become adults. But if we drive controlling behavior, it tends to drive people away, especially if we're not connecting first. I want you to be able to trust your ability to connect with your daughter and connect with your grandson, to put fear at bay, and to trust that God is already working in their lives. Yeah. You're not... I do know that. Yeah. And so to live at a little bit more peace and more assurance inside of yourself, and I believe that that actually drives more attraction to your faith. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah. So what I would just encourage you to do, because there's a lot of different things in our lives that can really drive a lot of fear in us, Mm -hmm. and, and it could even be kind of... As we grow older, there's some parts of our faith that we grew up with that we kind of shed because they're really not helpful and we they're really not faithful, you know, and maybe not true. And so sometimes, like, we'll grow up with this great fear of condemnation, you know, but then we really start to integrate, you know, Romans chapter 8. There is no, you know, there is no condemnation. For those in Christ Jesus, we, we, we learn to shed those things, take those things off. And I would just t- take a deep, deeper dive in your own life. Take this as an invitation to say, hey, what's driving the fear inside of me that I probably need to let go of and, and, and work through and maybe even find some healing around? And, and I would also learn to take a risk um, here, Brenda, because, you know, uh, relationships are about risks sometimes, mm-hmm. right? And that's how we end up facing fear is um, – by doing the thing that scares us. And in relationship, yeah, it's, it is true. Your daughter could be offended. But, you know, when we have relationship with people, offenses happen. Yeah. And, and part of relationship is learning how to patch those things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I encourage you to, to take a relational risk and see what payoff you might get from it. And maybe reflect on the history with your daughter when you have taken risks. Mm-hmm. And start small. Start, you know, with a little risk. But remind yourself of how you've gotten through them in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. 
Well, Brenda, thank you so much for calling today, and we hope that that was helpful for you. And we're going to send you a copy of Take Your Life Back. I think that will help frame some of these uh, fear and control issues and help you work back into you know a, a deeper you know relationship and assurance in God, knowing that he is such an amazing um, part of your life. And, and, and I love Brenda's story because – we really do. You know what? She said something I think was really important, and that was I don't want my loved ones to grow up apart from the love of Christ. Yes. And what absolutely. that tells me is that she is a person who has experienced the sweetness and richness of the love of Christ. And what a great motivation it is um, to connect other people to the love of Christ because it is a game changer for sure. So, all right, we're going to go back to the phones. We're going to go to Sandra listening in Wilmington, Delaware on a podcast. Again, if you want to join us, 1-800-229-3000. And joining us right now is Sandra. Sandra, are you there? I sure am. How's everybody doing today? Uh, We're doing good. Okay. Okay, so my question centers around uh, personal time management, um, which I've struggled with uh, my whole life, really. Um, things like being late, procrastinating, then burning the midnight oil, wasting time, then feeling overwhelmed by things that I haven't done. Um, I can always function well when I'm pressed by a timetable or a deadline, uh, but now I'm semi-retired and I don't have much of the structure that helped me in the past. So the question is, how do I muster the energy and or the motivation to manage myself and do the stuff I need to do in the absence of pressure and structure? That is a phenomenal question. Well, and we rarely get yes, this question, I'm like, which oh my I'm gosh. so surprised yes. about because actually quite a lot of people deal with this. Uh, um, and we know nothing about it. The amount of <laughs> insight to yourself, Sandra, that you have is is phenomenal. So, uh, Mark, what do, what do we do with Sandra here? Yeah, so Sandra, a lot of what you're saying, um, people who have ADHD struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been assessed or diagnosed with ADHD? I've never been assessed, but it is something that uh, that I had been looking at on my own, um, and I wondered about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially because you're saying that you've been this way for your entire life, right? And so people who have ADHD, this is just kind of how their brains work, right? They have deficits in the prefrontal cortex, and that... Um, uh, hinders their ability to plan, prioritize, organize, right? All of the things that others seem to do really, really well, right? And and they get distracted and uh, they feel like they can't keep up. But then, like what you're saying, you know, when you press with a deadline, then maybe you can hyper-focus and get things done. And so, you know, if, if, if really that is what is happening with you, it's important to you. Um, get assessed um, Mm -hmm. and then maybe get some treatment that targets um, those things specifically. So can I just speak in defense of neurodivergent brains that um, people with ADHD are highly creative, spontaneous Mm -hmm. and fun and very Mm -hmm. good at compensating. So Sandra, my guess is that you've been able to compensate over the Mm -hmm. years with the right structure Mm -hmm. in place externally, right? Because what you lack internally you need to put in place externally and so it makes perfect sense that when those things are taken away you're hitting kind of up against your glass ceiling Mm -hmm. of what you can compensate for 
So I would suggest, and we're running out of time here, so I may have to save those till after. Yes. Yeah, so, Chris. so Sandra, we'll come right back to you. Cliffhanger. We got some oh. great things for Sandra <laughs> after this. Hey, give us a call one eight hundred two two nine three thousand. We'll be in studio for a couple hours here. We'd love to talk to you. Give us a call, and we'll be right back. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. As you just heard, a comment, question, something that we can help you out with today, give us a call. We're going to be in studio for a couple hours today. Phone lines are open. We'd love to talk to you. 1-800-229-3000. And we have Sandra. We're talking to Sandra. And yes, it, and I'm sorry to say this, it just kind of hit a little too close to home oh. for me, right? <laughs> Late, procrastinating, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like... Not I, for me at all. Yeah, I, I would say, I'd say it like this, you know, um, productivity in my life is driven by intensity, which mm-hmm. is not always mm-hmm. the funnest thing, but I, but Jill, you were sharing Oh well, yeah, Sandra, and I, so I wish really, I could remember everything I said on the break, Sandra, but here's the thing. If you do have ADHD, your brain works in a more circular way, and you live in a linear world, which is exhausting. And in that, well, and let me just also say, halfway through life, through perimenopause and then menopause, everything we've ever struggled with is magnified, Mm. okay? And so it's really easy to get really down on yourself, and people with ADHD can do a lot of self-shaming. And so it's important to get out of that, to see, okay, your brain functions differently. That doesn't mean it's bad or wrong or broken, okay? So it just means you need to approach things differently. So instead of trying to force yourself to function the way linear people do, who say you have to plan ahead and do everything way in advance, otherwise there's something wrong with you, no. I was saying that people with ADHD can do more in hyper-focus, as you were talking, the intensity, Yeah. right, Chris, than a lot of people can do in months of planning. And so embrace how God created you and put in place the structures that you need. So in retirement, it's a little harder. Mm -hmm. But you've got to add in some things that will help you to hold you as you move through. But you might also consider adjusting your expectations as well. You're in retirement. Do you have to do everything Mm -hmm. the way you did it before, right? Mm -hmm. What things are you telling yourself, I have to do this, I'm not being productive? Okay, well, maybe you're not going to be as productive. So what? Yeah. What's the impact? Mm -hmm. But, Mark, you were Mm -hmm. also talking about the impact on relationships, and that's where we do need to be sensitive. Right, because there's definitely, you know, as Jill's saying, right, (laughs) there's not something that's wrong with you because you have an ADHD brain. It's just there's about 8.5% of people who have ADHD brains, Mm -hmm. and that's just the way they work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as Jill's pointing out, it's just... I our, think it's our higher working than that, so, Yeah, probably, right? <laughs> our working mm-hmm. society, right, where, where we say everything needs to be on a calendar, everything needs to be scheduled, um, and then that throws people off who have ADHD. But there's also an ADHD effect on relationships. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, you were talking here, Sandra, about, you know, being late, and uh, I don't know if you have kids or if you're married, but do you see – does this impact your relationships? 
Well, what's really interesting is I'm pretty sure my husband has ADHD as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't have children, but the one thing that would drive him crazy is he can be on time, mm. and uh, I struggle with being late. Right. Um, so that's, that's probably the key thing. Otherwise, he's, I mean, he's very, very easygoing um, about what's done and what's not done. You're right. I'm probably more hard on myself mm-hmm. than, than anyone else is. Well, and there is also something with those who have that symptom, that actually number one symptom of ADHD is the lateness factor. Um, There's often a time blindness, or some people call it time drunkenness, where you tend to suspend time and then surprised by how it's caught up with you, or you're unrealistic at how long things take for you to actually do and you know there's a disconnect between how long you think it ought to take and how long it actually does take with all of the distractions that often come into place and so sometimes I know in the past I actually a little self-disclosure here had a friend time me doing things and it was very eye-opening to see like getting ready in the morning so I could actually get to radio on time I had someone sit with me, someone I really trusted who was not shaming, sit with me and time me. And we made a chart. We added a structure. And it was, though, in the context of relationship, because I think healing really takes place in relationship, not Mm -hmm. when we have to hide in shame. And so doing things like that and then talking with your partner about, okay, how does my lateness impact you? And how can we work around that? What are some ways you can help me and I can minimize the impact on you? Yeah, and using each other's strengths, right? You know, Jill, you're mm-hmm. saying about healing happening in relationship, right? And so if your husband's strength is getting to places on time, mm-hmm. maybe it's just um, ha- coming up with an agreement where he gives you reminders, right? Yeah. right. And again, yeah. under- understanding, right, what Jill's talking about, this time blindness, it has to do with working memory. People with ADHD have trouble moving numbers around in their yeah. head, and so that's why it's hard for them to estimate time. And so, you know, I, I just encourage you here, Sandra, find out more about ADHD, um, if this is how your brain works, because as you learn how to understand yourself, you can then help others understand you yeah and so sandra i'm going to suggest three three tangible things um seek peace and pursue it as the verse says but find time to get meditation and recreation number two cultivate kindness towards yourself number three jill mentioned it you're creative so that means in your retirement you need to explore you need to go like be a discoverer Where time is suspended. For sure. And you can just be creative. And we're going to send you a copy of Understanding and Loving a Person with ADHD. Um, I really hope that that will help you on your journey. Thank you again so much for calling us. And we're going to be right back right after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope. 
and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. We're glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back to New Life Live. And we're going to be in studio here for the rest of this hour and for a whole other hour. Give us a call, 1-800-229-3000. we got some open lines. We'd love to talk to you. And right now we're going to go talk to James in Clearwater, Florida, who is watching and listening to us through YouTube. We love, love, love our YouTube audience. James, are you there? Yes. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I wanted to just share, I actually came across the uh, Life uh, Application Bible a couple weeks back and initially found out that they had videos to Tyndale on there, and I came across your channel and recommendations that kind of broke some of the steps down more. And I actually just received mine in the mail today before I called. Um, I'm 46 days, I think. I think it's 46 days sober from crystal meth today. Oh, great mm-hmm. job. Great job, James. I, um, I, I know that that can be yeah. a very, very difficult recovery road, especially in those beginning few months. Well, what's, it's been a process of actually, I would say, a total of between 50 to 100 relapses yeah. um, to getting to this point before I did it with kind of focusing on God and mm-hmm. not so much on my own strength or co-depending on other people. Yeah. Um, I lost my mother to COVID on 9-11-2021, and that's kind of what started my snowball back down into it, because I've been battling with it since 2016, but this is the longest that I've actually been able to make it. Yeah. Um, And my my question that I was sort of mentioning to who asked me earlier, um, a lot of what kind of fueled that in that time was partially because I lost my brother to HIV, Okay. And the other half was trauma with my stepmother um, that I'm still working through. Um, and even though I don't see her, um, her presence still affects my father and my relationship with him. And I'm trying to kind of work out my own stuff with that to try to reach a place, even if she's not, you know, for myself. So I guess my question would be um, with someone kind of going new into recovery where, you know, when you get to steps when you want to talk to somebody where it's not safe to, what's good ways to work through forgiveness for somebody if it's not really a safe or a viable option when it gets to the step of actually reconciliation. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, James, that's a great, great question. I just want to first off by recognize that you have had a lot of chaos in your life. Mm-hmm. And, a lot of loss. Yeah. and a lot of loss. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, Grief's very talented. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, man. And so, in that grief and in that chaos, you know, let's just recognize something that a lot of people may not out there may not realize is that methamphetamine is a stimulant mm-hmm. and it helps us get That's out of the point. chaos. And ironically, for those who live in chaos, it actually helps you calm down and hyper and, and be able to focus. Mm-hmm. And, and but unfortunately, 
it's one of those things that offers you the world on the front end and then takes everything from you on the back end. It, yeah. it is a horrible, right. horrible trick as, as you've experienced. And so our love is with you. Our support is with you. We're so glad that you're able to find the life recovery resources. Um, but I'm going to go to you, Jill. I mean, like the, these are big questions mm-hmm. about like how do we engage in relationship that are conflicted and difficult and where's forgiveness in this? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and James, I'm hoping that as you are in your recovery process, that it is opening you up to being able to grieve. So we have to be able to grieve for what is lost, to grieve for what we hoped would be and and what will never be, right? And to be realistic right. about those expectations. When we have Not difficult definitely. when we have difficult relationships that are, feel unresolved and it's hard to move forward in, there is a a part of forgiving when it is not still happening. So we can forgive the past. When something is currently, when we're being currently hurt, it's still happening, right? right? Mm -hmm. So we forgive what is past. And you know that the forgiveness is for you. It's only half of the equation. And really, you cannot reconcile with someone unless they can see at least a portion of their part. So the first step is in being able to forgive, in a sense, and hand that person over to God for him to deal with so that you are unhooked from them and can have that kind of – it doesn't mean always leave relationship, right? A lot of people are quick to just cut people out. No, we salvage what we can. We trust people to the degree that they're trustworthy, and we use healthy detachment right, to often be in relationship with them, even if it's more one-sided mm-hmm. or less than what we would, we would want, right? So to be able to um, uh, name the things that have, have been hurtful to you, right, and, and to hand those over to God um, and to work with someone else other than your stepmother, in these things, yeah. to share these things with another person, to be in therapy, working through some of what was trauma- traumatic, and someone who is safe and will hear your story, right? And will help you in processing the impact of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I love what you're saying there, Jill, too, about forgiveness being for us, right? Because yes. oftentimes we think it, it's for the other, and, and really it's for both. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love that you're asking this question, James, too, because, you know, many people who are in addiction, you know, they have a lot of people who need to forgive them. Right. And so I love that you are also kind of exploring how can you forgive others, too. And whenever I talk with people about forgiveness, I like to uh, differentiate between uh, decisional forgiveness and emotional forgiveness, right? Mm. Because sometimes we don't feel like forgiving. And mm. so we think, well, I can't forgive because I'm just not there yet. And really, emotional forgiveness often comes after we make uh, the decision to forgive, yeah. and, and, right. and many times that's making many decisions mm-hmm. before the emotional uh, piece of it comes. But I like what Jill's saying too here about you know um, how do you forgive somebody who's continuing to hurt you, right? And so right. you can look at the past and you can choose to forgive because that's the decision, and then and right. then the next part of it, right, is where grace comes in, right? Mm-hmm. 
And that's where we have grace for future offenses that、mm-hmm. come to us, right? Because we start to work through our own stuff. And you know, as Christians, so if we, I, if I may, sure.、Um, I was reading before you called. I was reading through Matthew eighteen,、um, and I forget. I know it's near the bottom, but where it kind of goes into seventy times seven.、Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could kind of. Break that down a little deeper for me, if you could, in relation to maybe even this kind of question. Sure, yeah, and I'm not a theologian here, so I'll just preface it with that. But I do know <laughs> that numbers are numbers are important in the Bible, right? And sometimes we read them literally, right? But seven is the number of perfection, right? And ten is the number of completion.、Right. So seventy、mm. times seven, right? Really was you know. Perfection, completion times perfection, and so really, what Jesus was saying was infinite, right?、Mm-hmm. You keep on forgiving because we know that as Christians, that we'll never have to forgive others more than Jesus forgave us, right? And then that's、right. how, and, and when we can understand that, when we can draw upon that. That's how we、uh, tap into grace. That's the、yeah. only way we tap into、yeah. grace is by knowing that we have grace for ourselves. Right, but that right. forgiving. Endless forgiving is not、mm. trusting. Yeah,、right? correct. Yeah. So yeah. it's forgiveness. Okay, that, that's separate, right? That, yes, that is、sure. separate. So you're not going to just wipe the slate completely clean like Jesus does for us, right? You're going to remember again where you can trust、mm. and where you can. Right. It's、yeah. not. It's not、so、forgetting. Are healthy. Yeah. Right. Well, well, and if I can jump in there with that as well, as James, I would like for you to think of that verse like this. If I could speak for it a different way, it's Jesus telling us: Do not let fear and resentment run your、oh, life.、Yeah. Do、mm-hmm. not let them rule your heart. What we're trying to and they cl- have been for yeah, a long time. yeah, yeah. And and listen, that heart has to get medicated. Period. There's no option. I'm I'm I've done this long enough. And that's why so much work in recovery is working through our resentments,、mm-hmm. cleaning it out. Cle- you know, working through our fears and cleaning it out. And I just want to give you a, a couple things here because you're you're in a pretty precarious situation right now, being forty five days in. Six. Forty six. Yeah. Don't rob them. <clears throat> no, no. Every day matters for sure. Every day matters. One day at a time. Exactly. Exactly. The, the question you're asking, your heart's not ready for yet. There, okay. There's a reason why these steps happen in order,、mm-hmm. and they're really、right. important because you want to tackle a really, really painful situation that requires a lot of stability inside of you. You're on a train track going to a new place, a better destination. One of those rails is your recovery program. You've got to be in a strong recovery program. The other rail is a healing process. That's where Jill was mentioning therapy. These two rails need to work together because when one of them tends to not be there, we de- we derail. So I want to encourage you in that, and we're going to send you another copy of the Life Recovery Bible. We're also going to send you a copy of Loving and Understanding a Person with Addiction,、uh, with a Substance Abuse Addiction, just so we get, get some insight there. And also, I want to encourage you to come to the Emotional Freedom Workshop. There is a lot there that I think that you can benefit from, especially with your grief. We'll be right back. To find out more information about New Life, or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call one eight hundred New Life. Now back to New Life Live. 
Welcome back to New Life Live. Again, Chris Williams, Dr. Jill Hubbard, and Mark Cameron. Again, we're going to be in the studio for another hour. If you are online, hold on if we don't happen to get to you. If you want to talk to us, give us a call, 1-800-229-3000. I do want to mention that we have an early bird special for the Emotional Freedom Workshop. It ends on Friday. So if you are carrying around uh, struggles internal struggles, struggles with life, struggles with could be grief, it could be addiction, it could just be like feeling like some of your relationships are out of control. Emotional Freedom Workshop is built and designed specifically for you. So please, please check it out. Don't delay because you get the early bird special, but it does run out, runs out this Friday. With that, we're going to go to a final call today, and we're going to Emily in Atlanta, Georgia, listening on WNIV. Emily, are you there? I am. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Um, I appreciate. I appreciate the work you all do. Oh well, thank um, I you. Have, I have a. So I joined Al-Anon about a year ago. Started going to meetings. I was raised in a family where alcoholism was prevalent. Well, was historical, I should say. And then I lost my father and an uncle to um, both drug addiction um, deaths. Um, and about a year ago, well, I will say in the past probably seven years, I've noticed my husband's drinking has increased and increased. Mm. And we had had several conversations about it, and he always kind of had the attitude like, I, this is something I can control, I'm good, but, you know, it's just something I need to work on. And then about a year ago, I realized that he was hiding alcohol around the house, mm. <laughs> and namely mainly in our closet, like literally closet drinking. And, um, you know, I, it was funny when I got on the Al-Anon website, I realized all the questions they were asking was about my behavior, not about, not about the problem drinkers behavior. And I realized that I had those behaviors where I was trying to control and I was trying to check up on, and I was trying to you know, probably manipulate um, situations. And so I started going to meetings. And of course, you know, I, that's what I love about that program is that it's about me and yeah. my yeah. reaction. And, but at the same time, I'm just getting more and more concerned about my husband's hiding the drinking. And I have not confronted him on this. And it's not going away. Um, and, and I don't, so I, I question, is this, I think I'm, I think I should confront him on it, but I don't know if that's my job and I don't. Well, I Emily, Emily don't let me, yeah, let me jump for. in really quickly. If, if you could state it in a question for us, like, here's yeah. the thing that I want help with today. I guess I that's it. I want to know if that's my responsibility to him to confront him on it. Mm, yeah. It's a great question. I have a question back for you. Is it disrupting your lives? Um, no. Uh, Not so much in he hasn't missed a day of work. His relationship hold on, hold on, hold really on, hold on, hold on. Is it disrupting your life? Yes, 
I yes, I'm stressed out and worried about it. Yes. Uh, uh, let me just say this. I'm so glad you're in Al-Anon because when I asked you the first question, you left yourself out of it. <laughs> and so uh, and and that's oftentimes what we do as as children of alcoholics yeah. or children of of addiction is is yeah. we were left out so we leave ourselves out of the equation all the time. And, and really these these for the Al-Anon out there, for the codependent out there, this is about the recovery of the self. And so if mm-hmm. it's disrupting you, my in, my initial answer, and there's more to it than it, because it's disrupting him as well, but my initial answer is do you confront it? And the quick answer is yes, you do. Now, the scary, or the scarier, yeah. how, right? How? Yeah. <laughs> so, how? Jill, Mark, help us out. <laughs> And I, and I can, if I could follow that up with, I, it's like, I don't know what to ask for. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. So Emily, I would loop others in. Uh, I don't know if you have a therapist or you have um, trusted friends, pastors, people who love you both in your life, but I would loop others in because y- you likely need um, others to help you reinforce the message because oftentimes when we Mm -hmm. confront um addicts they get defensive Mm -hmm. right and they will push back and so you will really need others to help you be um be able to kind of push through and so to answer answer the question about responsibility it it's not you're you're not responsible for him you're responsible for yourself and i like where chris was going because he's asking you how it is interrupting your life and affecting you and so really as you confront your husband the the, the way to do it is to not just say that you are concerned but also tell him how it's impacting you right i feel unsafe mm-hmm. right and, and then, right, what your need is, if we need to really need to be able to learn how to link emotions to needs, right? And mm, if we feel unsafe, yeah, then we need good. safety, right? We need security. And so that's what I would, uh, that's how I would present it when you do confront him. But you likely will need someone to help you kind of shape the timing of how it all happens and how you're going to say it. And then following up with a boundary or a request that you're going to have with it. I, I think that's a really good plan, Emily. But are you afraid to talk to your husband? Um, not in a not in a physical sense. No. Okay. Just 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 that I know it'll wreak havoc on the daily routine of life. You know that that something will have to change, and I don't know. Well, if it sometimes will. <laughs> sometimes too, <clears throat> we can start by just bringing things out into the open. And guys, I don't know what you think about this, but if I were finding hidden alcohol, I might just pull it out and leave it in sight Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that I I know, right? Yeah. Well, and and, and here's the thing, is that when we grow up in addicted families, we automatically keep secrets without even yes. knowing about it. Yes. You know, knowing that we're actually harboring the secret itself, which is contributing mm-hmm. to the problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it could be scary and terrifying, but I will say it is necessary. And I would take it a step further than Jill. I would say, bring it out into the open, put it on the, on the, on the counter with a sticky note that says, can we please talk about this? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause, cause really confrontation isn't trying to control him. 
It's trying to let him know how you're impacted by what he's doing. And that's important because you, you know, Mark was saying it really well. If you don't have safety in your relationship, if you don't have a sense of security in your relationship, you do not have trust. Right. If you do not have trust, you do not have closeness. You do not have a marriage. Like that's a really strong statement here. Right. When you hide things, I feel unsafe. Yeah. Right. It's, when not, we it's can't, not physical fear. It's emotional safety. Right. Yes. Yeah. When we can't talk about things, I'm scared for our marriage. Yes. Right? So when you, I feel, yeah. is often a good formula. Yep. That's good. Well, Emily, we are out of time here today, but we are so grateful for your call. We want to encourage you and help you and support you in having hard conversations. And so we're going to send you a copy, again, of, of Understanding and Loving a Person with Alcoholism. Um, and... And we want to also send you a Life Recovery Bible. I think that that is for you as well. Thank you for being with us today. And we really, really wish for you to have a wonderful, wonderful day full of God's abundant love. We'll see you on the backside. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, We have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.